Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I'm joined today by Fernando Cruz and Nick Young. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks so much for having us, man. Yeah, yeah. It's my pleasure. And guys, a little bit of background on these two guys. They're killing it. They sell, I think you guys sold over $10 million in sales uh, last year. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Yeah. And is that on, was that just all Amazon or is that distributed over a bunch of different marketplaces? I would say our makeup is uh, probably around 90% Amazon. We're, we're pretty he- heavy FBA business. Um, we do also, you know, uh, in-store retail and uh, other marketplaces, but, you know, Amazon is really our bread and butter. You guys have been growing over 300% in one year and you've got, I was looking at some of the notes that I have here. You have some really interesting stories. Like you, uh, <laughs> both of you or one of you were driving for Uber to make extra cash while you were laying off people and trying to build your team. Uh, they weren't on the same people path. and then building your team. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. We both drove for Uber. Um, yeah. Cause we were pretty broke. This is like in the first year of our business and we were trying not to take money. And then, yeah. In the second year it was rough. Like we, we did have to like lay off people. Um, but yeah. So last, this we're talking about 2017, right? Uh, the layoffs were, uh, yeah. Early 2017. And with all that happening, you, you guys still broke eight figures. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. All right. That's cool. And you guys got to do some pretty interesting things. The lifestyle that was afforded to you guys. It sounds like it's pretty neat. You guys, let me just see if I got this right. So Nick, you, uh, your girlfriend moved to Spain and you were able yeah. to just go out there for weeks and travel Europe. Fortunately, uh, I went there like three times. Uh, we, we did a couple different countries while I was out there. So it was a really cool experience. Cool. And Fernando, you, you've been climbing some hills. It sounds like big hills. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, one of my like dreams, I don't even know when it like it happened, but like, maybe in high school has been to climb Kilimanjaro. And then, so yeah, I mean, it kind of, the business was doing well, like, um, I called my brother up. I was like, Hey, like, let's do this. Like, and he's like, all right, let's, so he took vacation. And then we both went off for like, uh, yeah, it took us about seven days to climb up to Kilimanjaro. That's crazy. I've always wanted to climb some of those big mountains, but I don't know. Man. That's, that's, that was tough, right? A whole week climbing that thing. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's, it's really fun. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it gives you a lot of time to think no cell phone, no Wi-Fi. Uh, but yeah, it was a blast. That's cool. And then you guys bought a car and then you guys went to Europe, right? Uh, you bought a BMW. It was a custom BMW or something like that. Yeah. yeah I did a European delivery for, for my car European delivery. And then while you're there, you might as well travel Europe. Got to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, we met up with some friends and then, yeah, we just kind of went through like, you know, Germany, uh, Austria, Switzerland, through Belgium. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, we had the, we had the top-down convertible through the Swiss Alps. People thought we were crazy, but we, we had an amazing time. It was like super cold too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. All right, so, so that's cool. I think that's kind of the dream for a lot of people is to be able to get out there and do, you know, the things that they want to do and be able to have the, I guess, the, the income and the freedom, the time to do that, to, to, all, to do all of that. And that's pretty awesome. So I've got some questions for you guys, if you're ready. Yeah, sure. Cool. So people that are starting out they're, they're, they're trying to figure out what they want to get into. They don't have a product selection strategy yet. We, we were just talking about black box before we started. I was like, Hey, that's kind of a cool way of figuring out what you want to sell when you don't not, don't know 
what it is that you want. That's part of Helium 10. But if, I mean, how do you guys figure out what to choose? Where do you go? How do you do it? Yeah. So, I mean, tools like, you know, black box is like perfect. I mean, I think the, the big thing that we see like a lot of new sellers kind of going into is like the really saturated ones. Maybe it's like several accessories or, you know, electronics. So we, um, we're totally like the opposite of that. So we're going super niche, you know, like usually less than like 150 reviews, maybe in that like kind of like five or uh, 10,000 in revenue, like per month, um, at least from what like, you know, market intelligence uh, estimates or or jungle scout or whatever um but yeah we're going like really like long tail and just you know kind of going for like the simple products we don't want a ton of moving pieces we don't want it to be like over complicated but something where we can take over an entire niche so it's not like you're buying like you know just we have one of our listings like we want to try to dominate that entire uh, front page with like a bunch of different like packs or colors or just like different like varieties whatever it may be um that's pretty much our strategy Cool. All right. What would be some of the mistakes that you guys have experienced or that you see new sellers making all the time? Um, I would definitely say um, not really sticking to the numbers, not knowing their numbers well. I think a lot of people are focused on revenue. They focus on top line and they think they're making all this money. And I think that was kind of something that we didn't look as closely as we should have, you know, in our, in our second and third year. Uh, And it wasn't until we hit a cash crunch that we realized, holy holy crap, we need to include, you know, a net of ads. We need to include our cash flow. We need to include all these different things to make sure that we're truly profitable at the end of the day. And so um, I don't think people, are married to the numbers. They need to really look at those numbers and see what the return on is for every dollar spent into getting a product. Um, and a lot of times sellers are losing money uh, from the get-go. So I think that's a, that's a huge major mistake. Okay. So let's say you have a product then. How do you guys launch it? What do you guys do to, to actually get this thing out there in front of eyeballs? Um, okay. So, so the way we launch products is, you know, our entire goal with launching a product is to find winners and losers. So in, in our eyes, you know, product will either do well or not do well. And if it doesn't, you know, we do a test uh, with a small amount of units and our goal is to test as many different variations as possible. And the ones that hit will just expand aggressively on. And so like Fernando said, this touches on our strategy of, you know, making sure that we cannibalize our own sales. We launch as aggressively as possible out the gate. Um, you know, usually if we're choosing the right product, if it's, it usually won't be that competitive or we'll have a really good offering. Let's say, you know, there's an existing one pack, we'll do a two and three and four pack. And we make sure that we offer the best value that there's no existing market price for the product that we're looking to sell. Um, and once we do that, um, we'll launch um, and we'll aggressively do PPC. In some cases we'll do giveaways, but usually that's not necessarily necessary if you merchandise a product properly. Um, And, uh, and yeah, we'll know within two or three weeks if it's good and we'll continue to expand. Oh yeah. So one of the things that we built like as a result of like kind of like the layoffs and really focusing like on our numbers is that we built out like our own custom tool using the Amazon API actually. And it actually shows us like our weekly profitability because a lot of like uh, other tools out there will have like kind of daily or monthly. So we've actually built it out so that it's, everything's on a weekly basis. And then it actually includes estimated uh, storage fees, includes your ad spend, all that kind of stuff so that we can see how the changes are um, doing in a faster kind of feedback cycle. Okay. That's cool. So at a glance, you guys go in there and you can see what's working, what's not exactly just so you going back to what you were saying earlier, you're running pay-per-click aggressively. What, what does that mean when you say aggressively? Um, I mean, you know, right now, Amazon gives you a range, right? They give you like um, a low range and a high range. We take that low uh, high range and we'll go 1.25 X from the get go. And we'll pair that 
with let's say the Amazon coupon code at like a 30% discount to start. Um, and then we'll make sure that we're getting that traffic, but also we're optimizing that listing um, for uh, conversions. So we want to maximize both of those parts. Um, and so, so yeah, we want to uh, make sure we maximize that launch from the get-go because Amazon has this 14 day window. I mean, that's the theory um, at which they want new products to basically test and see if they'll hit. And so we want to maximize it as much as possible by being aggressive with the traffic and also with the conversions. Okay. So 14 days from the time the product goes live, that's kind of like the, the juicy time where you've got to get as many sales as possible. You're going, um, uh, what you said, 1.25 typically to 1.5? Yeah. Well, 1.25 to 1.5 X, you know, um, their, their high suggested bid. And the we'll top suggested bid. So if they say $1 to $2, you're going over the $2 amount, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have you noticed a difference? If you, if they say $1 to $2, have you noticed the difference between bidding $2, which is the maximum versus actually going outside beyond that? Uh, beyond, you mean uh, well, beyond the maximum of what they suggest? Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll, we'll find that um, we'll actually win the first page bid way more frequently by being more aggressive and going beyond what's suggested. Oh, that's cool. And do you, yeah. do you what are your thoughts on bid plus? Honestly, I haven't tested bid plus that much. Um, we've more just done it on a uh, percentage increase basis. That's something that we're still about to test out. But, but from what I've heard, um, the results are kind of mixed, to be honest. Okay. Are you using manual campaigns or automatic campaigns or both? I mean, my theory is I think you should do both all the time. You know, auto campaigns are fantastic for understanding whether Amazon is, is seeing your listing as being relevant or not, but also for mining keywords constantly. So that's something that we're always doing. We're aggressively adding negative keywords to ones that we've already put on manual campaigns. But in my opinion, manual campaigns are the best way to kind of have ultimate control over everything because it's through campaign budget management and through uh, keyword bid management. Gotcha. And by dialing those two triggers, you really have the most control. How many keywords would you recommend going after or how many keywords do you guys go after when you're launching a brand new product um, on, on manual? On manual. Uh, I would say uh, as many as are relevant. You know, uh, I think some products, they might have a lot of use cases. So you might have a ton of relevant keywords. I think it's really important, the relevancy factor. Um, and so you have to kind of go through all those keywords and just make sure it applies to your listing. Um, I, I think if you throw a lot of junk um, keywords, you know, that's something you can definitely do and you can bid down over time. But, you know, certainly I think it, it makes a lot of sense from a efficiency standpoint of your PPC to just go through and make sure that those keywords are relevant to your listing. So just eyeballing it and running through and making sure that you understand it all. Okay. And, I, and I'm, I'm drilling on this topic because it was just something we've, we've talked to our, our members about and they're like, man, we want to know more about launches and how people are doing their pay-per-click. So this is a super yeah. interesting topic. You guys are pros yeah. at it. So, so yeah, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are doing giveaways, right? And, and I've actually found that if you choose the right product, um, you know, the, you don't usually have to do giveaways by just having aggressive PPC out the gate and really going aggressive on the right keywords that are relevant. Um, you end up ranking really well. And you, you I, I see it as like a broad giveaway in some sense. Um, you know, you might be giving away theoretically just as much like net of everything, net of ads, net of the coupon code on Amazon. Um, but ultimately you can start ranking for more keywords than if you were to just do a target you know, blast, let's say. Okay. That's cool. Um, do you guys have a special way of, of doing your titles when you're doing a launch, anything that you're doing there? I mean, I think, you know, if you're targeting keywords, obviously it, it, it makes a lot of sense to have those um, keyword phrases specifically within your title. Um, I think, you know, from what I found earlier, the better we've read a lot of people say that it doesn't really make a difference, but I do think that keyword, like, let's say it's, uh, red exercise ball, those three words need to be right next to each other in order for you to truly rank for those keywords if you're targeting it. So okay. definitely, I think title is the first thing we look at. So exact match phrase for those and then 
whatever that your main keyword you're are, you're probably are you trying to stuff the title with as many relevant keywords as possible or do you just focus like just on a couple and then go with that Definitely. Yeah, we, we try to stuff it with as many keywords title as possible um, it, as, long, as much as they'll allow. I think it's like 200 to 250 characters depending on the, the category. Cool. And do you guys, uh, do, you, do you handle that specifically? Is the pay-per-click your thing or do you have team members that do that? Uh, we actually work with a consultant and we work really closely. Um, and, you know, this guy is, is really, really awesome. Um, and we work super closely with him. Uh, we're always coming up with new strategies. So we have like, you know, a strategy for new product launches, a strategy for popular SKUs, a strategy for ones that are in different categories. And we're always coming up with new ideas. And we, meet, we meet on a weekly basis to do that. Cool, cool. So Fernando, how big is your team and what type of hires are you guys looking for? Do you have now? What's that strategy like, looking like? Yeah, so we have now uh, 20 people, um, mostly distributed, uh, actually, so very similar to you. I think we're in a few different countries now. So we have uh, the U.S., we have China, we have the Philippines. Uh, we're actually looking at South America as well uh, to have some people that are like, on similar time zones to the U.S., um, and then in terms of like functions, everything that you can imagine. So our HR and recruiting team is there, finance team, uh, inventory planning, logistics, product research, uh, pretty, every, pretty much every single function that uh, we manage or, or like, you know, a, a kind of a solopreneur, like just starting out is managing all those different things, whether it's customer support or admin, like we've, uh, we've pretty much outsourced uh, everything, but they're actually internal employees. Like, you know, they're on our Slack channels, uh, you know, they have vacation, they have PTO, like all that kind of stuff. Well, that's cool. Uh, do you have an actual office in these other countries or is everybody kind of solo doing their own thing? everyone's solo doing their own thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like we, we make sure that they have like, you know, fast internet speeds, like, uh, we'll pay for like extra monitors or mouse or whatever. We even have like a, a program to get them a laptop if they stay with us like a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, we look at them like, you know, Hey, you're like, you're an internal employee. Like, uh, you know, we we're actually implementing kind of like team building, ex uh, exercises and all that kind of stuff, making it like a more, a uh, fun place to work and not just like, you know, your typical VA that's like, you know, not really as committed or, or like loyal. Um, actually, one of the cool things our new HR person just implemented was kind of uh, an analysis to see how people are feeling like, you know, and it, and it kind of graded uh, the company on like in terms of like leadership and like wellness and in terms of like, uh, you know, responsibility and all that kind of stuff. And we actually got scored really, really high, thankfully. So like, um, so now I know she's like kind of um, working on figuring out how we can implement like some of the, the criteria that we can, you know, further improve on. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that as well. Who do you guys use for HR? You said that was outsourced as well? Uh, yeah, so we actually just hired an employee full-time to oversee <laughs> HR and recruiting. Uh, but in terms of like, I guess um, we use Zenefits for like payroll and then hub staff. Uh, and then we're actually using Veeam uh, for like payments to like our overseas like contractors. Right? Cool. Do you guys use any kind of time tracking software? Uh, that's hub staff for us. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and yeah. Um, where do you guys recruit from? So we, we take recruiting, uh, like, you know, just like it was in the U S so, uh, you know, we're actually in Facebook groups. Uh, we have like a, now a LinkedIn page or a LinkedIn page and a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, we'll do outbound uh, outreach on LinkedIn actually, which is cool. So like one of my like, um, secrets is like I'll actually because you can put in the university so I'll put like the University of the Philippines in the criteria so it's kind of like they're Harvard and then I'm looking for you know like an inventory planner that went to that specific university because I know they're going to be super smart and then um, 
yeah, so I think that and then onlinejobs.ph is where we get a lot of candidates as well. Yeah, we've used them too and, and we've had really good luck. Some of our best artists are from there and so forth. So that's good. Oh, nice. How, how about, how, how do you guys handle the hour, the, the time difference between you and your employees that are overseas? Let's say the Philippines. Do, do you have as, as a condition to make them come on and have some kind of overlap? Does that not matter? What do you guys do there? Yeah, it, it really depends on the role. So uh, we do have like a few roles. It's honestly very few that they are like kind of required to come on like at 10 or 11, like our time Pacific. Uh, but for the majority, we just uh, only have like two to three hours overlap. We find that like, that's enough to do like one-on-ones or team meetings. Uh, but we've like, actually found that it's, it's actually better not to have, uh, and I've read a lot of like research around this, but it's better not to be like fully like overlapping with your team because there's so much like distraction, like, you know, like constant like questions where people like if they're working um, with less overlap, they'll, they'll kind of figure things out on their own a lot more. And uh, you have less distraction from like, you know, just whatever water cooler talk, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Cool. So salaries. Do you pay people salaries or do you pay them hourly? What, what, have you, what do you like? Uh, it depends on the role. Yeah. So we, we, we kind of have like a transitionary program. So like the first like 90 days is kind of like a probationary, mm-hmm. uh, but we, depending, yeah, with some, if it's like contract or it's like, uh, we'll do hourly for sure. And then we'll move some, uh, if they do really well and then we'll bring them kind of full time and totally integrated, we'll move them into like salary with like the vacation days and PTO. Okay, cool. Yeah, one of the things we really want to hit home is, you know, working remote is like a privilege. And I think one of the concerns that we do have is that, you know, when you work from home, it's so much easier to get distracted. And we want our employees to take working from home as seriously as having an office job. So, you know, we make sure that we, we emphasize, hey, this is a privilege. You know, we use Hubstaff to tack, track your activity. And there's a minimum requirement of activity level at any given point in time. So, you know, we make sure that they're super accountable to their activity level. They're, they're mindful and, and cognizant of that. And in doing so, um, you know, that's, that's how we try to manage their time as effectively as possible and, and make sure that they're able to, to track it as well. Cool. Yeah. This is super interesting. There's so many people that are trying to outsource a lot of what they do. So they have the time to go travel like you guys were talking about. So, so I love this kind of thing. You, you mentioned earlier hardware, you know, and if they need monitors or they need specific things, you have a special plan or a program if they're with you for a certain amount of time. Can you explain that? How, how does somebody implement that into their business? Yeah. I mean, so for us, it's like after 60 days. So like after 60 days, like they're showing up, they're like a good employee is like the right hire. Then we'll cover pretty much anything that they need, like in terms of, uh, yeah, the laptop, mouse, you know, external keyboard, whatever they need, uh, ex- uh, except for like the, the laptop. And then depending on the the cost, then we'll do some kind of like financing program. So like we could be like um, that we'll cover like half, and then you know they pay the remaining half like over a specific period of time. Uh, so yeah, we kind of we'll try to be creative around it depending on like what they're asking for. But yeah, like monitors or anything like really like under like 150 bucks, like we'll just cover because we know that they'll be more efficient and like and honestly just like happier at work by having like two screens. Like yeah. All right. So final question about the, about VAs or or expanding on your team. People are probably curious, especially since you use onlinejobs.ph, what would be like to get a a superstar employee for specific positions? What would be kind of a price range that you think people would most likely pay that, that you think is okay? 
Yeah, I would say like it ranges. Um, I would go anywhere from like 700 to like 1700 is like kind of our like range. Like if they're like a more like a managerial kind of a little bit more strategic, we might be toward quote, so to that 1700 a month. Mm-hmm. And then if they're doing like kind of um, more like simple tasks or whatever, maybe like that 700 a month, I would say. Um, but yeah, it really depends. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So what advice would you guys give? I mean, you guys are at uh, 10 million. A lot of people are trying to get to 1 million, right? Just a fraction of that. What would be your advice to sellers that are trying to get to that point and beyond? Um, I would say one of the most important things is, I mean, I mentioned this before, but knowing your numbers, right? That's, that's the most, one of the important things, knowing how much you're really netting, but also knowing how quickly you're returning that money um, over a period of time. So, you know, a lot of times, let's say you turn over your inventory once, you know, that might be good. um, But if you could turn it over three or four times with a domestic supplier versus an overseas supplier, that's -hmm. something that could really change the game because you're making the best use of your cash. So I think that's something a lot of people don't think about. They're always looking at ROI. But if your ROI is over a period of one year or two years, you know, net of storage costs, it really might not amount to that much. Your ROI might actually be a lot lower um, as opposed to having a lower ROI over a faster period of time. So I think those are things that, you know, you really need to understand as you're starting to get bigger and bigger. Um, How can I front less cash and get a better, a quicker return um, in a faster pace? And that's something that I think is really key to understanding how to scale. Have you guys taken loans or money to grow your business? Totally. Yeah. We've taken on like around a million dollars in like debt actually so far. So we've actually paid like a good portion uh, back now, but yeah, I mean, that's been crucial in terms of not having to give up as much equity um, and then also fueling like our growth for sure. If people wanted to tap into those resources, what, what would you recommend? Uh, I would definitely say SBA loans are huge. Uh, so yeah, once you hit that kind of two years of like profitable tax returns, uh, you're more eligible for uh, for a traditional kind of like SBA loans. And the nice thing is that the government actually personally guarantees them or guarantees them up to 350,000. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the, the really awesome thing is that like ours, for instance, is over 10 years. So our like 350 grand is, we pay like four, a little less than four grand a month, which is like huge. Uh, and the interest rates are pretty low and fair. Um, but then also like high net worth. So we structured some really cool like promissory notes. So they're interest only with uh, balloon payments after two years. And we have the option to extend to a third year. So I think that's been really, really helpful as well. Okay, cool. I'm going to jump back. I, I wanted to ask about sponsored ads a little bit. I, I see you guys do a lot of that. We talked about the launch strategy, but how do you guys keep your, your spends under control after the launch strategy? Um, I, I would say that uh, the most important thing is really understanding your your target ACOS. And again, like I, I think everyone should have a target ACOS that they're shooting for. Usually it's your gross margin. Um, a lot of people don't know that. And they just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm willing to do this to do that. But you use that as kind of a guiding measure for what direction you want your PPC bids to go. Now, um, if you're comfortable having a high ACOS because you believe that that's what's driving rank and it's a really competitive niche, then you know I think one of the important things is setting a budget of your revenue. So we like to do any anywhere from five to 8% of our revenue on a certain SKU and say, okay, well, 8% is our high limit if our A cost is gonna be out of whack. And so being able to look at those numbers allows me to decide from there, what should I do? Should I be driving bids down with, uh, uh, on the keywords? Um, should I be increasing bids? Um, should I be increasing my budget? Um, I think you know, using those numbers to guide your priorities and come up with decisions is gonna be really, really important. So let's say for instance, um, you know, uh, I know that 
uh, my A cost is really high and I'm, I'm hitting 8%. I know that from there, I, I need to go ahead and lower my bid and I need to lower my budget. So I'm going to lower my budget and I'm also going to start driving bids down progressively, let's say 10 or 15% week over week. And um, over a period of four weeks, I'm going to get closer to where I want to be. Okay. Okay, cool. So if you're bringing, uh, going back to a launch, I, I'm jumping around a lot here, but going back <laughs> to a launch then, ACOS might not be as important if you're at a massive ACOS, right? Yeah. Is it, is, would you run at hundred percent ACOS or higher during a launch just to drive those sales to that keyword for rank? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's expected. That's something, yeah, it, it's good that we cover that because um, when you're first launching a product, you're paying for information from Amazon. So it's really important that you're aware of that. And, um, and having a high ACOS is totally fine. If you have a low one, let's say 60% and below, or even 40% from the gate, I think that's an incredible sign. I mean, that to me is a leading indicator that your product could be a home run and that maybe you should start looking at um, expansion opportunities. I like to look at that as an indicator. Now, if it's really high, I mean, that's not terrible, but it's also a sign that maybe it's a little competitive. So for me, I, I would say if I launch a product and it's between like this 40 to 60% ACOS range and it's, it starts from there, that to me is like, okay, this is a pretty decent product. I can add more keywords. I can continue to expand from here. But if it's 100% plus and I'm not able to do anything, that, that to me is an indication that, you know, maybe there are a minimal amount of keywords and those keywords are really, tar are, are really competitive. Um, and so I'll use that to kind of guide my behavior and say, okay, well, if this continues, in a month, I'm going to quickly just drop this product, liquidate it, and uh, make sure I put that cash into a product that, that's actually returning for me. Oh, very cool. All right. Cool, guys. So let's end this on two ninja tips or hacks or strategies. I'll ask you each to give one. It could be on any topic you want. But yeah, if we can leave the, the listeners with something super cool, that'd be awesome. And either one of you can start. Uh, I could start. Okay. So uh, I would say like a, like a really common thing, I think for like first, on, first time entrepreneurs is like not delegating and kind of holding everything really close to your chest. I know like both of us are like pretty guilty of it. Um, but I would say like, as soon as you can really just start kind of delegating, bringing on someone, even if they're part time, maybe in the Philippines or uh, wherever, but to help you with like the customer support, the admin, and then constantly be like evaluating, like, am I spending my time like the the best way or what's going to really like 5x or 10x my company because I think that was like a, a big part when our like company like shifted was when we learned how to delegate even like you know product research and like inventory planning and things that people would normally want to like hold close to their chest and I think that's been like a huge huge area for like us in terms of growth and not like kind of being involved in every single decision um, that affects the company awesome yeah you know, and, and to add on to that, I think maybe this is a, uh, an extra ninja tip on top of that one. Um, you know, I think one of the challenges of hiring, right? And, and I think um, hiring um, in advance is really important, especially as you're looking to grow and, and go past a million. Um, you know, one of the challenges is your bandwidth, especially as a founder in the recruiting process. So um, one tool um, that we've just started utilizing is a tool called Easy Hire. Um, and it basically allows you to do video interviews. So it's a preset um, list of questions, but you can record your own videos and then it allows the other person to record video responses to those questions so that you can theoretically interview as many people as possible. And all you have to do is set aside a, a specific amount of time to review that video and see how they respond to it. So it's a great way to screen through candidates. Um, and it's something that that's worked really well for us. Cool. That's easyhire.com. Uh, easyhire.com. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's one I've not even heard about. So that's cool. Yeah, so you can like skip around, like so. You like if like there's like it's uh, the answer is like really long, you can just like skip to the next question. Kind of okay. thing. <laughs> nice. 
Cool guys. Well, that was been, that's been awesome. I think there's a lot of nuggets in this. And, and if you guys that are listening now have any questions for Nicholas or Fernando, we're going to tag them in our FBA high rollers group. So yeah, if, if you have any questions, you can post them there. If you're not part of the FBA high rollers group, you can join by going to ampmpodcast.com forward slash Facebook, or you can just go to Facebook and type in FBA high rollers and you'll see us in there. And yeah, is there another way that people can reach you if they'd like to? Yeah. I mean, they can always email. So yeah. If they have questions or anything, it's Fernando or Nick at sellertradecop.com. Cool. Awesome guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and I, I look forward to, to running to you guys and hanging out. I have a game changer for you. Okay, so a lot of people have been asking me, what tool can they now trust and use for reverse ASIN searches? Well, I have good news. I'm incredibly happy to announce an insanely awesome new tool called Cerebro. Cerebro, that's the Spanish word for brain, and that's what this thing is. It's a keyword brain. Cerebro is the newest and most powerful tool in the Helium 10 software suite for Amazon sellers, and it's the only reverse ASIN that I'm ever going to use at this point. It's insane. Honestly, try it and you'll see for yourself. Cerebro is fast, really fast, like really, really fast. Just enter a competitor's ASIN and bam, within seconds, you get back tons of keywords. It's crazy, okay? But it gets better. Cerebro is free for everybody. That's right, guys. It's free. If all you want is keywords and you don't want to uh, get any other data other than keywords, you don't need to go anywhere else and pay for reverse ASINs anymore. Okay, let me say that again. You do not need to go anywhere else and pay for reverse ASIN searches ever. Okay, forget about other tools. Everybody, that's everybody, gets two free uses per day on Cerebro. So that's 60 ASIN searches per month for free. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So I've mentioned the word free a few times now, but we do have paid plans as well. If making money is an important part of your business plan, then paid members can use the Cerebro IQ score. Okay, we call it the Cerebro IQ score, and that shows you which keywords have the best ratio of search volume to total competing products. This is a game changer, guys. So I personally, I wanna know which keywords I can rank number one for and know the exact volume of sales I need per day to achieve that. And you can watch my ranking strategy video once you are signed into Cerebro. Okay, watch that video by clicking the blue learn button. And then you'll uh, be able to figure out how I actually do my ranking and get number one rankings for the keywords that I want. Now, paid users can also see the most accurate search volume data I've ever seen for keywords, allowing you to make smart decisions on which keywords to use in your listings. This is why I said I don't use any other tools now for keywords, just Cerebro. And in the past, I've said that. I said, go out there and use a bunch of different keyword tools, including ours, so that you can get a lot of data. No longer the case. I'm not saying that. Cerebro is all you need trust me on this okay i'm redoing all of my listings now with the data from cerebro and i'm going to be talking about the results that i get from these changes in future podcasts i would love to see you as a paid helium 10 member but remember everybody gets 60 asin searches per month for free that's two per day that's the way we set it up so if all you want is up to 2,000 keywords per asin without any other analytics data boom you're set if you're a power user that wants to crush your competition then upgrade to the gold, the platinum, the diamond plan, and get all of the analytics. That's what I do. That's what all the big guys crushing it on Amazon are doing. Okay, so you can try Cerebro today at helium10.com. Remember, it's free if you'd like. And please be a superstar, okay? Go out there and let other Amazon sellers know that they can now get reverse ASIN searches for free, okay? They don't have to go and pay for them anywhere else. For free with Cerebro, and that's at helium10.com. 
You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.